Hyper casual or casual? Hyper casual. Game Boy or Xbox? Xbox. Helix Jump or Snake? Snake. You're listening to Iron Source Level Up with guest host Mishka Katkov. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Level Up, the podcast for people who love making, growing, and of course, playing mobile games. We're excited to have Mishka Katkov, guest host on next few episodes. Thank you. This episode is the first in a three-part series focused on designing, monetizing, and marketing hypercasual games. Today on the show, we have Paul Woodbridge, Design Director at Mag Interactive, the gaming studio responsible for top hyper-casual game, Paint Hit. Hi. Hi, Paul. Mishka, you just said that you don't like personal intros to introduce (laughs) yourself, so I will introduce you. You are. I will tell you about yourself. You are the founder of Deconstructor of Fun, which has become the go-to site for discussing and analyzing free-to-play games. You reach 3 million monthly visitors. In addition to your blog, you're the head of the studio at Rovio, having previously worked with some of the biggest franchises in gaming, including Supercell, Zynga, and Fun Plus. Did I miss anything out? That's about it. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> so, Ishka, I'll leave the floors over to you. So, this is the most fun way to do a podcast because you prepare everything, and I mm-hmm. essentially have the guests, and I have just the forward to ask the questions that I'm mostly interested in. So, Paul. Yes. Mr. Woodbridge, let's start with your background. So, I'm a game designer. I started off making console games for Sony. I designed the Buzz series of games for them. And then, after that, we did some Kinect stuff for Microsoft. About 2010, started looking around and realizing, actually, the casual game market is moving. They're not playing consoles anymore. They're playing Candy Crush and the like on their mobile phones. So, it was around that time I left Relentless joined some other ex-relentless people and we started a company called Delinquent which was making a match three game and before we released that game we got some funding from a Swedish company called Mag they liked the game they liked the team and they decided to um, buy us and for the last four years now I think it is we've been working as the UK studio of Mag making a variety of word game puzzle games that's awesome so you went through the long development cycles of AAA games to the ultra short development cycles of hyper casual games. That's right. Right. So let's talk a little bit more about Mag Interactive and Pain Hit. Sure. So Mag's first game was a game called Ruzzle. Didn't do any massive numbers in the UK, but was a huge success in other places around Europe. And from there, they then went on to make Word Brain, which was a top charting word game for quite a long time. And then recently, the, the Swedish studio have released uh, Word Domination. And we've also had a few other games in development, which never actually came to fruition. And that was kind of why we started the Hyper Casual Track Up. So it was my Myself and an artist, Tom, we'd been making these in-depth games, you know, we spent three, six months in development. You release the vertical slice and it doesn't quite work, either costs too much to buy users or they're not playing for long enough. And so we killed a few of those. And after doing that for about a year and a half, I just want to make a game and get it out. So me and Tom decided to make some hyper-casual games, which are very different. We released the first version of Paint Hit in a week. Even after that first week, you get the KPIs coming in and you're going... Hey, this game is showing more promise than the other stuff we've been working on for the last year and a half. Can we spend another three weeks on it? And yeah, we did. And we launched it. And since then, we've kept on cranking out these hyper-casual games, making one or two every couple of weeks. Damn, that's impressive. So tell me more about this. You released the first version in about a week. Yeah. Right. So after five hard days of working on this game, you released a new game. And do you release the hyper-casual? Is the process the same way as with more deeper games? I mean, the biggest difference is you've got 90% of the game there really quickly. So a previous game, when you're making your vertical slice, you're trying to have enough content to keep people amused for the first week, maybe, Mm -hmm. to get an idea of whether it's worth making all the rest of the content. Where with a hyper-casual game, you've got all the content in that first week of development. And yeah, obviously, we, we added a few things to it afterwards, but you've got the vast majority of the game 
game there. So when you're testing it, you're testing not just like the vision for the future, pretty much the whole concept. And you're testing it in specific markets or do you just go global or, or how, how do you test it? No, we test it on Android and in one country. We were doing it in the UK mm. and it's now quicker to test it in the US. That's interesting. So you're testing a game in US right away. Well, they're our most important market. Of course. So yeah, if it will work in the US, it will work everywhere. And when you're testing that game, you're testing everything about it and the next three weeks will be just polishing content creation? Yes, that's what we're doing now. With Paint Hit, we hadn't put any adverts in in the first week. If I did it again, I would have done that. Mm. It's actually really easy to put the adverts in. Well, shout out to Iron Sword. You guys, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's, a really thank you. it's a really lovely SDK. I just say, give me an advert, and you give me an advert. <laughs> you can keep on repeating that. Uh, can I jump in here with a question? How much yeah. room for error is there once you've launched the game? Like, is it you've launched it and then you can actually test it, or you get one hit? So, um, we launch it, and if we're not comfortable with the KPIs, we kill it. And that's the team's choice. If the team said, oh, we think there's something here, we just got it wrong, absolutely we could try again. But in our experience, you might as well just make something else. It's so easy to get caught in this trap of iteration and trying to get something that's not quite right a bit better. I think your time is better spent just giving up and trying something else. If you're working on a two-week development especially, cycle, especially then I guess. In, Especially <laughs> in these two-week development. And that's why I like these two-week development cycles. So you said you're making more hyper-casual games. What is the creative process like of making these games? Right, the hyper-casual team, which is three of us, and the hyper-casual team are by and large left to our own devices you know we say we're going to keep getting a game out every couple of weeks and the company are fine of us doing that i think it's important to say though part of the purpose of our team is to try stuff out for the company so new tools new tech new game genres we can test those out a lot quicker than the other teams are able to basically the whole hyper casual division mag interactor is three people yeah God. you know we've also got um you know once the game comes out we get the ua support the of business course, intelligence of course, but all yeah the support but, but yeah it's dedicated coder dedicated artists and myself who often codes but also does some of the stuff that's really impressive so let's talk about the award-winning painhead so and i have to say i hadn't played painhead before but i played it over the plane for a few hours it was a lot of fun but i got stuck on the boss 20. you did well mm -hmm. not many people get that far no on the boss 20 no. but i'm a pro i don't know i, I, I did i did make the game easier uh, the version you played is easier than the one that And also, came I out. didn't have the ads because I was on the flight. I couldn't watch an ad to, so I have to restart always like I'm playing like an old computer game. Yeah, that'll make it harder. Oh, it was really hard. So it, just, it, it, the, I the, rage the, quit it about 12 <laughs> times, and then I picked it up again. It was like that or Candy Crush Saga, so I went back to that. So you're still playing Candy Crush? Who no. Isn't? <laughs> I, 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 I got to about level 400 before. I said, I'm done. So yeah, so let's talk about the Painhead. It came out in June, 5 million mm -hmm. downloads off the gate. For your, basically, was that your first hyper-casual game? Yes. When we started the hyper-casual track, it was really just an experiment. And we made two games, made Word Blast and Paint Hit. We launched them both at the same time. And it was astonishing the difference in the uh, CPIs. I think Word Blast was coming in at about $1, $1.10 CPI. And Paint Hit was coming in at 35 cents. And this was before any refinement, any iteration on the creatives or the design. So uh, let's talk about the mechanics. Yeah. And normally when I look at hyper-casual games, now naturally I don't develop hyper-casual games, but I do play a little bit of them. They're arcade games, right? They're like the games from six years before, yeah. but with very clear graphics, with very easy gameplay, just pick up and play, watch some ads to progress, or to not to restart and go back to level one. So can you talk about how did you land on the paint mechanic? So we had this idea of a spinning circle, which you fire things at. We only had a week and you know texturing takes a long time, modeling takes a long time. So we were really after a style that both looked good, it was also quite quick to develop and we came up with this idea of paint where we just need one particle effect and then a flat texture which we can then change in code to just cycle through different paint colors. Mm -hmm. So it, it kind of came about through just the limited development time. 
And then obviously once you make it and you look at it, and, yeah, this makes total sense. This is exactly what this game needed. You made it in Unity, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Everything we do is in Unity. Okay. Unity is a great tool. It, but once you're familiar with it, it's so quick and easy just to get something up and running. So there's no sense in making a proprietary engine, right? I'm a big believer in use the tools that are available. I don't see much point to ever use a proprietary engine. I'm sure there's going to be some people who go, yes, we can get a smaller <laughs> download size or we can achieve this with our own engine. But the extra man hours you need to do that is so big yeah figures figures yeah. so do you play a lot of hyper casual games overall or are can we call them arcade games <laughs> uh yes i do and yes they are arcade games mm -hmm. we were talking in the taxi what is a hyper casual game and why is it different from a casual game and i think it comes down to as much the expectations of the game's performance as the actual game itself uh, casual games like candy crush is the obvious example when they're making that game they're trying to work out how do we have people still playing this game in in a month, a year's time. Whereas the hyper-casual game, it's very clear, no, we want people to play it, we want them to play it as much as they can, but in a month's time, the chances of them still playing it are really small. So what is the magic number in terms of retention then that you're looking for? Because in our games, we don't even care about day one. We look at, <laughs> day, we look at day seven and day 30. It's like whoever quits in the beginning, we don't care about you. So we definitely want more than 40 day one. I mean, if we can hit 50, that would be great. We do care a bit about beyond day seven, mm -hmm. but that's almost a cherry on top. So when you see a game is successful, you look at day one, do you look more on, on session count? Do you look at the engagement? Like, is there other magic numbers since you're not really looking that far off? How do you measure uh, engagement? How do you see that this is a hit and players can't stop playing and we're going to burn this player out and <laughs> it's going really well now? <laughs> that's a good question. I think you have to look at it in relation to the opt-out as well. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I don't mind if someone plays it for one day and watches 100 videos in that day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that would be a perfectly valid business strategy. It really is, okay, our ARP DAO's this, our player days are this, and our CPIs are this. Does it all add up? Mm, so you do the basic CPI versus LTV. That's it, yeah. But the beauty is we know the LTV mm. very quickly. Because we're not looking into day 360, we can say with certainty, yeah, our LTV is this. Therefore, either we have to get our CPIs to that or we have to increase the output. Do you have a data analyst in your studio? Yes, we do. That would be interesting to measure the engagement and the correlation between the early engagement of whether it is a hit or not. Yes. Huh. Okay, that's a different topic. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so do you play a lot of different arcade games? Do, like, where do you get the inspiration for these games? Because you have essentially five days to come up with a new game and not come up with a new game but build a new game. You've been playing games probably for, I would say, 25 to 30 years. Uh, uh, More? 35 years. Oh, you look young. <laughs> <laughs> I, start, I started young. Manic Manic Miner was my first. Okay. My anyway, so you've been playing more than 35 years of different games. Yeah. So that's a lot of inspiration. Of course, the early games are very arcade games. But where do you get the inspiration now where you just think about back in the days or you look at what your kids are playing? Occasionally you'll be playing a game and you go, hey, I like this. Let's get some inspiration from that. Other times you're just, you know, you're just chatting to someone and you're saying, okay, what happens if you're shooting something at a cylinder or you're trying to stack these blocks in a row? What we'll do at the beginning of the project is we'll just bash out ideas. I will write up like a little paragraph of what happens. The artist will go one step further and draw a nice little animated GIF. And then you just look at them all and you go, yep, yeah, I like your GIF. That looks like fun. <laughs> Let's make that one. Do you feel like you get to a situation when you're talking with friends and walking down the street and you just can't think about anything else apart from what happens in this situation? This was a game or you're constantly thinking and creating. I try not to. But once I've started working on something, it does dominate my thoughts. But before that point, I'm quite good at not sort of going too far. Have you got an idea from sitting here in our studio? How could this be a hyper casual game it can't be a hyper casual <laughs> no how about, how about <laughs> drums and piano i do yeah. i do like the yeah. drums for everyone listening um, our studio <laughs> is in the iron source music room so we have a lot of instruments around us yeah but you're definitely not playing game of war and thinking about hmm how could this be a hyper casual game not game of war
War because that is obviously the absolute other end of the or scale. God of War. God of War more so potentially. So a hyper casual game is a game which you can show an advert for and people will instantly understand what the game's about and they go, yeah, that looks like fun. I want to give that a go. If you could distill the essence of God of War down to that mm-hmm. in a way that appealed to a wide audience, I don't see why you couldn't get inspiration from that game. That's good. So what are the, uh, the design pillars then? It has to be really easy to play. You have to progress through ads. It has to be YouTubeable. What are the magic, you know, four, three, two, and rules? Oh, so the number one thing is it has to be instantly understandable. We've always talked to mobile gamers that you can't bombard the players with tutorials straight away, but with hypercasual, there's no tutorials. And I think they have quite a low skill ceiling as well. So yes, yeah, so it has to be instantly understandable. I think a low level of mastery and also a low level of forward planning. So, I mean, chess, you know, if you put adverts in chess and make it free to play, that wouldn't be hyper casual mm. because the amount of energy and concentration it takes to play the game is too much for the standing in the bus stop, which is where we expect people to play in these. So when I was playing Painhead, the thing that I was thinking about, do you do A-B tests? Yes. We okay. do. A-B tests were used for um, how quickly does the speed increase, how many bullets do you have to fire at the same cylinder. And do you do a lot of optimizations? Now we're crossing the line between puzzle or casual games and arcade or hyper-casual games. So in a lot of the best improvements you can get in a classical puzzle games is through the optimization of the levels. Mm. So do you look at the level funnels and try to optimize them, you know, make them a little bit easier, a little bit harder, and change those type of things? Or do you just fire, release the game, get the money out, and make a next game? So we did fire and release the game. (laughs) Since then, I have gone back to the funnels and looked at churn rates and everything. What's been surprising for me, though, and I I don't know if this is true for all hypercatcher games, but it certainly was a patent hit, was no matter what I changed, the KPIs didn't really change. Mm. Maybe players were getting further, but they were still watching the same number of ads and they were still churning at the same player day. So this comes back to my point of, yes, you can iterate, you can maybe get some vague improvement on these things, but ultimately the game you release is the game that people are buying into and there's a limit to how much you can change the KPIs beyond once you've got the core concept established. So we're talking about hyper-casual games and Mag Interactive mm. is known for its casual games and the word cross games. Can you talk about the difference between those two? Um, I'm going to talk about Word a lot. So with those games, their whole business model requires people to still be playing a month later, six months later. So when you're making the game, you're always like, okay, so how can we ramp up the difficulty? How can we give the player something to strive for all those considerations come into the design and they are a big bit of the game's development with world domination we've got the boosters that unlock and you get the chests that contain the booster and that you've got the matchmaking and the ranking and these are all massive elements of the design of the game with hyper casual you don't have any of that it's just about that five minute experience and obviously you can iterate on it a bit and you can add some sort of variety to it but that initial five minute experience is the game Mm -hmm. and you can put all your efforts into that without having to worry about what you're doing for the player six months from now. And there's live operations also for Word Domination. So when oh, that yes. is released, a word, or any Word game. So there's a team stays on it, there's probably a product manager, there's data analyst, you're trying to constantly optimize it, there's updates coming in every two or four weeks and so forth. Yes, so it's a big, continuous, long-running task. Tell me about it. <laughs> so what kind of mistakes can a developer or hyper-casual games make other than spend enormous amount of time pivoting the design week after week and not shipping anything? <laughs> well, that is the number one mistake. Um, in any game development. In any game development not just hyper casual my view is the biggest mistakes anyone can make is holding on to something that isn't blowing them out of the park so maybe they're playing for 10 days and they're watching 10 videos a day but the cpis are a dollar and they're going oh if only we can just get these cpis down well you might not be able to and actually i don't think you will be able to i think that's an inherent problem with what you're working on and i think in that situation despite having this great art doubt and this great player days your time is probably better spent trying something else than trying to iterate this idea and of course when you've got a one or two week development 
time. It's quite easy to say, okay, we only spent a week or two on that. Let's not spend another month trying to make it work. So the CPIs, they're driven largely by the core game, but also the art style? It's the art style, it's the core game, and how easy it is to communicate that idea. So Peyton Hits advert, which we got the 35 cent CPIs with, was really just a video of the game. It was just the cylinders rotating and someone tapping it, I think it was me, firing paint at the thing. And that was the advert. That worked. People got it, they saw it, and they go, oh, I want to download that. So we talk a lot about TPIs. Do you mm. cross-promote also from your award games? And, and if you do, this is a business question, if you do. So hyper-casual game means that any player can play that game. So I would assume that even if you are a word game player, which means like you're probably smarter than the average, do they like the hyper-casual games as well, or do you cross-promote? We haven't cross-promoted from the word games to the hyper-casual games because the CPIs are much higher on the word games. We don't really want to push them into our lower CPI game. Obviously, vice versa, we were like, okay, we've got these low CPIs for paint and hit. Wouldn't it be great if we can get those players into our high CPI games? Turns out they don't want to go. I think we put about 1,000 people from paint and hit into word domination, over 5 million downloads, and they were not our best-performing players by quite a long quite shot. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I thought. That's why I asked the other way around. Well, yeah, we don't want to do that because, you know, paint hit, although it's all the financials make a lot of sense, yeah. it's still a low LARP DAO, low player day so game. you haven't even tried it? I don't think we've even tried it, no. I suggest you try it. Probably should try it. So off the record, I'll, I'll <laughs> So you should definitely try it, all I can say. Off the podcast record. <laughs> off the podcast record. But definitely, I'm all for trying anything. No, nah, we probably should give it a go. Well, we did actually release another hyper-casual game called Glow. It's not done anywhere near the same numbers, yeah. but we now use that as our cross-promotion from paint. From paint hit because mm-hmm. the CPIs for Glow are higher which is why it hasn't worked as a standalone project but it's absolutely fine to push someone from paint hit into it because the ARP DAO LTV is and the cross promotion is not done very nicely there's a video constantly playing in paint hit yeah and it's probably the other way around as well. Yes, it is, yeah. So you get the portfolio effect as you release. That's it. And, games. you know, one of our biggest concerns in this genre is we're up against Ketchup, we're up against Voodoo. Mm-hmm. How do we compete with them? They release a game a week, every week for a year. So this is why we're trying to get our portfolio up. We can cross promote between. Mm-hmm. And that essentially makes the CPI for the portfolio instead of one single game because you'll be able to calculate it, how it affects. That's the plan, yeah. Oh, smart, smart. It'll take some time especially with a team of three. <laughs> if we keep cranking them out one every yeah, couple of weeks. It's a good turtle track. Yeah. And which ad unit works best for you? Which ad unit? Oh, mm. that's a good question. So Paint Hit, we were surprised at how much we made from the interstitials. Okay. Um, we, we thought it was going to be rewarded videos, going to be the key monetizer as it usually is. And actually, I think interstitials make up nearly half the revenue. We've got a bit for banner and the rest rewarded. We're doing a new game at the moment, which isn't out yet. That one is very much on the re- based on the rewarded videos. I know we're showing, I think, seven a day to... The the engaged players. So hopefully that one will make sense. So let's jump in talking about mm. monetization. Good segue there. <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's the beef of everything. Is there a saturation point for the videos that makes sense or not? There is, but we don't cap them. Okay. I've always thought this is what the game is. This is the experience. We're not going to change the experience just because we've reached saturation point. I do think the pacing between the videos is important. For non-optional ones like the interstitials, I try to make it as big as possible because ultimately I like playing games. I'm a game designer. I don't want to ruin the experience of adverts. So the bigger that gap can be, the better. You do have to look at the financials and work out where the most money is being made. Mm. But I'd rather err on the side of not showing a video than showing it. And when do you think about monetization? Because you mentioned you start off from the idea, from the theme. When does the monetization come to place? Do you do you draw some kind of game loop and you're like, well, here's the retry and here you can watch an ad? Everyone gets it. Everyone knows, yeah. okay, you die, you watch a video. I think adverts can make sense in most games. Certainly any game which has got a fail sequence, you know, you run out of lives, you can always put a video in there. 
it's also a good time to show an interstitial. We're also looking to merge games at the moment. Those ones, it's quite clear that the monetization is based around speeding things up, getting a merged level above what you've already got, decreasing the amount of time you need to wait for the next one. Yeah, currently you don't have any timers in your game. No. You could add some. There's chests. <laughs> see, see <laughs> you, you, you just turned it into a non-hyper casual game. But better monetizing. <laughs> yeah. With higher CPIs and all the stuff that That's goes true. through it. So essentially you play the game and where it feels natural to have the monetization element, you put it there. Yes. One of the things I like least about the genre is when adverts are thrown in in places they don't feel right. I hate it on them. There's a few games where you open up the menu panel and you get given an interstitial. And those mm. really annoy me yeah, because it just stops me from wanting to change my settings because I know that's going to happen. The one question that came to my mind was inventory. So add inventory. In situations where you run out of the inventory in certain countries, and does that impact your KPIs in some way? We haven't experienced it. We use Iron Source as a mediation platform. Mm -hmm. So we have Iron Source ads, Unity ads, Ad Mob ads, Ad Colony ads. For everything. Everything, yeah. I've never noticed fill rate being much of a concern. No. Okay, final one. So I tried to incept an idea of timers. And then you that. just ruined the whole game. So let's talk about how to ruin it more. So <laughs> you see the games maturing in the future, like these arcade games, because we were talking a lot about CPIs, and then the only way to fight the CPIs is LTV. And since you are doing the maximum amount of ads... So I think that if the genre does mature and start putting in things like chests and timers, I think it will stop being hyper-casual. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. One of the things that excites me most about the development process of this is using hyper-casual to test out bigger ideas. So we're making a game at the moment. We are going to release the hyper-casual version of it, which is what we've been making. But as soon as we've done that, I want to look at the core idea and create another game, which is more traditional, you know, with the chests, mm -hmm. the timers... Power curve. Power curve, six months player days but i think if hyper casual starts trying to put those in it stops being hyper casual and just goes back to being okay. the casual games we all know and love yeah so that leads us to the final thing what do you think about the future of these arcade hyper casual games are they gonna get deeper or are they continuing to be as they are right now like what's gonna happen in a year it's all cyclical flappy bird was a hyper casual game before mm. we had the name for the genre i'm sure they are going to dominate the charts this year wouldn't be at all surprised to see next year maybe the cpis will get too high they'll start fading away we'll start seeing more Candy Crush clones and what have you. Mm. Uh, maybe then Clash of Clans games will come back into fashion and next thing you know we're back into the hyper-casual games. Their second renaissance. Uh, it's all cyclical. I don't think this genre will exist in the same massive place that it is at the moment, but there will always be hyper-casual games coming out. Mm. And it's essentially it's just amazing core mechanic, the core gameplay. So even if you're developing hyper-casual games now, you're set for the future because you can iterate really fast and fun game mechanics. That's it. And for me personally, that's the most exciting thing about this genre is testing out ideas quickly, seeing what the public think of it and going, right, People like this game. What can we do to this game that will be a success in a year? That's beautiful. I learned a lot. <laughs> thank you so much, Paul. More than welcome. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Mishka, our host. Thank, thank you. you, Paul, for joining us. Thank you for having me. We look forward to hearing you all back on the podcast another day. Mario or Sonic? Mario. Ads or in-app purchases? In-app purchases. Windows or Mac? Windows. Casual. RPG. Instagram or Snapchat? Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs>